Yo, what's going on, Vancouver? Welcome to the Vancouver Fitness Podcast. In this episode, we're talking about the five best supplements that you should be taking. Last episode, we talked about the worst supplements that you shouldn't be taking. So this is kind of like a flip, and we're going to talk about the best ones and the ones that we see the most results and also the ones that we trust the most. By the way, if you don't know me, my name is Yoshko, and I am the host of this podcast and one of the owners at Kraken. And sitting across from me is Brandon Nye who's a strength and conditioning coach, jiu-jitsu black belt, and the co-owner of Kraken Fitness. And together, we've helped thousands of people across the lower mainland achieve their performance and body composition goals. So, welcome to the podcast. And roll the intro. So in the last episode, what we were talking about was the worst supplements. And part of the reason why they were the worst supplements is because those companies can just not be trusted. The companies that make them cannot be trusted. They have like proprietary blends inside and also they've been sued multiple times. So that's why we just completely avoid them altogether. In this episode, we're taking we're talking about ones that you can trust and ones that are actually beneficial for you and also well studied. And when I say well studied, I mean like in like they have like massive uh, amounts of people that were inside their studies and also for a long duration of time. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I think the first one that we have on the list is vitamin D. And something that I just wanted to mention about vitamin D that it's actually not even a vitamin. It's considered a hormone. Yeah. Why do you think they do that? I think it's a marketing gimmick or I, I'm not entirely sure why they do that. <laughs> to just take more of your hormone is not like appeasing to most people. It, wasn't there like some kind of like orange juice that you could drink in the past and they were like it was called like d or something remember i think it was vitamin c actually vitamin c yeah okay i think you're right i think it was vitamin c tang tang and it had the monkey on it okay yeah, yeah. it's a vague memory for me it's just like childhood i don't think it exists anymore though but it has nothing to do with vitamin d yeah and uh yeah so vitamin d um i currently am not taking it i will start taking it as soon as it gets a little bit darker outside which it is right now but um, I feel that um, you should try to minimize your tox toxic load by taking as little supplements as possible um, for multiple reasons. One, you don't really know what's inside it. And two, um, it might be an unnecessary amount. So that's why I try to take as little as possible. Last time we were mentioning kind of Joe Rogan and how he just takes the kitchen sink and like he has like millions of different supplements. And then also like just within the supplement itself, like for example, like he is a huge uh, fan of Athletic Greens. Mm. There's like hundreds of stuff inside Athletic Greens. And uh, so I, I want to minimize the amount of shit I'm taking. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing for me and why I don't take vitamin D all year. But I, I will take vitamin D again. Yeah, and we are having a bit of a conversation off the microphone actually about taking vitamin D. And if you're from Vancouver because you're listening to this podcast, it's very common for you to have like some seasonal disorder, right? Yeah. Where you're not getting as much sunlight during the fall and winter months. It's just raining and crappy all year round. So you're not actually getting that vitamin D from the sun. So that's probably the best time to start supplementing with vitamin D. Personally, I take anywhere between like 2,000 to 5,000 IUs. It would, again, it would be better if I actually had a blood panel before the season and after the season to see if that's actually where I optimally want to be. But for me, that's what kind of works best for me. What about you? So I would take probably around like two to five as well. Um, and then as I 
uh, kind of like go into the deeper months, December, January, yeah, probably take more, less uh, closer to the summer. But uh, yeah, that's another thing too with the vitamin D lot. There's huge amounts of people who say you should be taking like 10,000 or 20,000 IU and they're like, it doesn't really matter how high you go. But I don't agree with that for sure. I don't think you should just go as high as possible because you don't know what it's affecting inside your body. Right. And vitamin D is a fat soluble hormone or vitamin, sorry. Yeah. So well, you're actually, yeah, you're actually going to need fat to excrete it. So you have to be really careful of how much you're taking. And also you need to know like how much fat you're ingesting in your regular diet from day to day. By the way, if you're liking this podcast, please do us a favor and tag us on Instagram at Coach Kraken or at Vancouver Fitness Podcast. We have nothing to sell you. All we're trying to do is give a platform to the fitness experts in Vancouver a voice. And without further ado, back to the podcast. Not to confuse everybody right now, but also just understanding that there isn't just one form of vitamin D. Like we take, yeah, sure, vitamin D3, but then within that, the the context of like supplementation, vitamin D3 is something like it can be multiple different uh, versions of vitamin D3 as well. And we, I think, I can't remember the exact vitamin D that we're using inside supplement, supplement but it, it was like somebody who did some studies said that this is the best form. And that's like what everybody's kind of going off of. So you don't even know if that guy's right. <laughs> Until proven wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. That's science. And I think there are people who are actively trying to prove him wrong. Like I think in, I posted, um, I think uh, a Instagram reel about vitamin D and then somebody commented and said like, oh, you shouldn't be taking vitamin D because of this and this reason. You should listen to what this guy says. And there's this guy who studied vitamin D uh, a lot. I can't remember his name, but he says that you shouldn't be taking vitamin D because of multiple reasons. One, like when we measure vitamin D inside blood, um, there that's serum vitamin D, and you don't know if that, how much vitamin D is inside your tissue. So, and you don't even know if it's the right one if we're actually converting it into the thing that you want. So, there's like there's multiple reasons why you shouldn't be overdoing vitamin D, and one of those is like one of those is a good reason. Right. And just like anything, you always need to go and actually get blood tests for yourself because 10,000 for you may be different for 10,000 for me. Mm -hmm, totally. Right. And you don't know what your current levels are first. So go and get that checked out. And then also when you get a blood panel done, you'll probably need to have it done within another six months to another year to see whether your supplementation or lack of supplementation is making a difference. That blood panel is merely a picture or a a snapshot of what is currently going on in that day that at day. that hour <laughs> because that's another thing too like you should be maybe even potentially mixing it with uh taking uh hair uh, mineral analysis as well and and checking there i'm not sure if you can see vitamin d levels i think you can um and then making decisions from there because that will show you how much is inside your tissue and also to give you a snapshot of the last three months as opposed to the last uh last uh like just that moment of uh in your blood yeah. Um, so vitamin D, I think it's a, a good supplement to take and it's definitely like a very well studied supplement. So I think that that's why you, everybody should be taking it at some capacity. Um, and then the next one we have here is creatine monohydrate. And we say monohydrate because that's the one that's the most studied. The other ones aren't as studied, but I'm sure it's probably around probably the same thing. And uh, but monohydrates usually is the most studied and that's why we take it. And I found really, really good results with taking five grams per day. Um, but when I first started taking creatine monohydrate, I started with two grams. So I recommend obviously starting with as little as possible and then kind of like building up from there and see how you react to it. 
a lot of people will say like, oh, you should be loading creatine monohydrate for like 20, uh, 20 days or something, 20 grams for 20 days, just so you can like really saturate your blood. But I think that's like probably, uh, I think there's only a few studies that, that showed that you should be doing that. Other than that, I think you could just take a, a, a normal amount because the thing is with creatine monohydrate, um, there, there's people who get like diarrhea. And there's also people who take creatine monohydrate and um, to get constipation as well. So, and also you're taking 20 grams of creatine monohydrate, you're going to be thirsty. That's a lot of creatine in one day. <laughs> yeah. But I think the, uh, the protocol that's been studied is 20 grams of creatine for five days straight mm. for that like really rapid loading. But I find that when people go through that really rapid loading, that's when they experience that extreme amount of bloating. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to avoid that kind of bloating, then the protocol would be five grams every day for 28 days. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to reach some level of actual full saturation. And then from that point, there's no point of taking more. You're like already fully saturated and you're just like wasting money at that point. Yeah. And I, I bet you anything that creatine study was probably made to like have creatine companies make a little bit more money. Yeah. But there's some really good research coming out right now about how creatine is helping some people with their mental health or some artists or authors are using this actually to gain a mental advantage, not just a physical advantage, which is really cool to see. Yeah, creatine, I think, uh, has been shown to help with your brain for sure. So yeah, even if you're not uh, even and also the biggest thing is like retaining muscle. So as you kind of go into old age, it'll help you with your brain and it'll also help you retain muscle. Which, uh, yeah, like after like 40, 50, something that you should be really considering. So this is whether or not you're working out to take creatine monohydrate. Yeah, I've noticed a huge difference for my weightlifting and my jujitsu when I am taking creatine. Yeah. I just have a little bit more of a pep to my step. I do gain maybe one to two more pounds than I normally would in water retention. Mm -hmm. However, I think that trade-off is well worth it. Like, I'm able to push a little bit more weight in the gym. I feel like I'm able to recover a little bit faster um, within the same workout, that is. Yeah, it's worked wonders for me. So, yeah, let's kind of go into that, like kind of like our experiences within what, uh, what, how we feel. Um, So, I do... I, I do like taking supplements that have a noticeable effect. Otherwise, I'm like, what's what's the point of taking this? Um, so, creatine monohydrate, I do notice. Uh, so, first of all, when I first started taking uh, two grams, a little bit of dry mouth kind of went away after like three days. But once I bumped it up to five grams, I noticed that I was going to the washroom multiple times per day. I was way thirstier. But I started to notice like probably around like day 10 that I'm able to like flex harder and like squeeze my muscles harder. And then all of a sudden, it started getting a little bit stronger. Um, and then also the fatigue uh, didn't hit as fast with my muscles. So I was able to like push them for longer. Um, and then so therefore, I was getting stronger faster. And then of course, building more muscle. But you said you gained about two pounds. For me, I think I gained about five pounds um, after taking creatine monohydrate and keeping my calories somewhat the same. So I think that uh, it depends on the person. Obviously, people are going to have different effects. And that's why you start with little and add more. And if you're not working out, you probably don't need five grams. Yeah. Do you feel like you still had that dry mouth and you were still going to the washroom after you've been fully loaded or accommodated after a while? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. After I fully loaded myself. Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, yeah, I... I don't uh, go to the washroom as much um, and everything's kind of like balanced now. So it was just do that initial phase. Yeah, it was the initial phase and yeah, now it's totally fine. Yeah, so I I didn't really notice anything. I don't really notice anything now, um, but I did notice. And that's what would, before when I tried five grams, that's what would freak me out because I believe that I'm a little bit more creatine sensitive than most. 
Um, it would freak me out. Like I'm like, I'm noticing these huge changes. And then there's like guys like you who start taking five grams and then nothing happens. You're just like normal. You don't get like super dry or anything. I felt like I was on the other side where I was like not as creatine sensitive because mm. I've tried to take it when I was like a teenager or even in my early 20s. And well, I wasn't as consistent with taking it. I didn't notice that big of a difference. Like I didn't really gain any water retention, nor did I gain any kind of strength. But as I took five grams every day, like religiously for two to three months, that's when I started to actually notice it. Yeah, yeah. So it took you three months to finally notice? I would say effects? now I kind of notice it a little bit more because I'm a little bit more introspective of how I feel. Mm-hmm. So I would say after a good month to a month and a half, then I actually feel the difference on it. Yeah. So yeah, mine was more immediate. But the, yeah, more reason to just be careful not to not to uh, add too much and uh, not to add too much uh, right away and just to kind of take it slowly for sure. Um, so the next one we have on here is, uh, magnesium. Oh, so actually I just wanted to talk about something, um, with the effects, feeling the effects before I, uh, dive into the next one. Um, so one of the supplements that I stopped taking because I didn't notice the effects of it, even though it has some studies and there's a huge amount of people that take it is glucosamine. So because of jujitsu fingers hurt all the time, start taking magnesium or, uh, uh, glucosamine and then uh, everybody says you should take it, but I didn't really notice any effects. I stopped taking it um, probably after a year of taking it, and uh, there was no extra pain in my fingers. Yeah. It was still just completely normal. It's good that you are, again, introspective on that point where you say, like, I'm taking this one thing, and you basically isolate that one variable and see if it's actually making a difference for you. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, stop taking it. Yeah. One year of taking it is like more than enough time to like see like if there's effects, stop taking it, see if there's any like downsides. And if there isn't, then just stop taking it altogether. And then I got one of my clients who was taking it for four years. She's in her 60s. Um, is stopped taking it. I told her like, hey, I didn't really notice any effects with this. Stop taking it. And she said that she didn't notice any effects after she stopped taking it as well. So... It's like four years of taking this worthless supplement. Just because someone told her she which should. Which could be throwing other things out of balance. Um, so yeah, that's why I probably shouldn't take it. But yeah, anyway, so uh, uh, creatine monohydrate, I like it because I feel it. <laughs> but so with uh, mag- so the next one is magnesium. And we talked about kind of like taking magnesium bi- biglycinate, which is the more bioavailable form. And also, not only is it more bioavailable, it also doesn't have the side effects of like softening your stool as much. I think all magnesium supplements will soften your stool. Yes. Uh, so that's why we say like magnesium citrate, just be careful with it, even though it is very bioavailable as well. Um, but uh, magnesium biglycinate doesn't seem to have the, that effect. So that's why I take it. Um, and uh, also, it's still bioavailable. Um, and I feel it a lo- I feel it more than citrate even though that's not what the uh, studies show studies show that they're pretty much the same from what i can see yeah so for those who don't know magnesium it's a cofactor in a lot of bodily reactions uh so it's really good for like i think like recovery. thousands of yeah reactions. tons yeah tons. and really responsible for atp as well yep so um and and atp is responsible for your energy so that's why that's why magnesium is really important especially if you're working out really hard yeah. and you're experiencing lots of dom sometimes so magnesium, um, before I think it was uh, in the ground, um, and then now after years of monoculture and um, just farming, like the magnesium isn't in the soil anymore. 
So that's why we don't get it in our food um, and our and our uh, the ruminant animals that are supposed to be eating it are also not getting it. So therefore, we're not getting it at all. And that's why it's important to supplement with magnesium. We just don't have enough of it. Um, yeah, we don't get enough of it in our in, in our water in our tap water. So because before you used to drink out of springs, right? And then they'd have magnesium inside. Now we don't. We just drink tap water, which is just like extremely filtered. And like God knows what else is inside our tap water now. One thing I've noticed that it helps a lot with is uh, sleep. Yes. And sometimes when I'll take some form of magnesium before sleep, I have the deepest sleeps I've ever had. That's a huge reason. So if you were to take magnesium, take it before bed. Yeah. And uh, so I find that, yeah, 60 to 90 minutes before bed, fall asleep right away, stay asleep. And you you wake up like dead. Like I almost feel groggy when I come up out of uh, sleep after I've supplemented with magnesium. Yeah. So with uh, magnesium um, before bed, lots of people feel that like when they're waking up, they feel like that they had like a really deep sleep and it's hard. But then it's kind of the same thing um, with creatine. Like after you kind of saturate, you start getting uh, less effects of it. It's not that you're maybe your body's getting used to it. Maybe it's utilizing it better. And um, so therefore you don't get those like super grogginess in the morning. Like, do you still experience that? Uh, I would say so because I don't continually take it, but I'll usually take it when I've gone through like really hard bursts of training. So how come you don't take it? Down. How come uh, you don't take it? Just on because I don't want to wake up and feel groggy all the time, <laughs> <laughs> actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I, not to say it's not useful. Mm-hmm. Um, what actually I find very useful is if I'm feeling really sore is like an Epsom salt bath that mm-hmm. has that level of magnesium in it too. Yeah. So, um, you can actually get a uh, magnesium baths as well that just have magnesium inside, um, instead of Epsom salts. Um, so apparently those are really good, um, because you, the best way to absorb magnesium is actually through your skin. How do they, derma, <laughs> they like absorbing a derma. I can't remember the word. Yeah, we're just a big podcast, guys. Like, we don't really know the science behind things. We need heads. <laughs> we just look at, like, what everybody, like, uh, people who are really smart, and then we just, uh, yeah, we unfortunately, we don't, uh, we're not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you uh, absorb, you absorb it better through the skin or something like that, or, like, it's best absorbed through the skin. So, that's why uh, magnesium baths are really good. But I assume that you'd probably get the exact same effects if you did it before bed. Yeah, especially if it's like a warm bath and then you hop into bed after I'm out like a light. Yeah, I don't take baths. Um, I think I don't think I've taken a bath since I was like three years old. And uh, the you should only, try it sometime. <laughs> I should. The only reason why I don't is because it takes like too like, much time. Yeah, to fill way the too tub. much time. <laughs> That's part of the relaxing process, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> laying in there and doing nothing. <laughs> Um, so the next one is uh, salt and electrolytes, which kind of like is together with magnesium. But yeah, ha- supplementing with uh, salt, meaning like putting salt on your food, has shown really, really good effects for pretty much everyone. You should be salting your food. And the way that I always look at it is just like salt to taste. Don't put an excessive amount, but if it tastes better with salt, then yeah, that's probably good. And we went over this in the past podcast when we were talking about worse supplements and we we're talking about like sport concoction drinks and when you actually need them is if you're really losing a lot of water and more specifically sweat because that's going to come with loss of electrolytes as well. Mm-hmm. And I think salt has been demonized by the food industry for the past 10 to 20 years, uh, especially with people who are sedentary populations who have an increased amount of salt and they think it's going to increase their blood pressure. But for athletic populations, 
it's actually very beneficial to supplement with salt because mm. now our food is uh, absent of salt. Another thing with uh, salt is, yeah, y- you can really tell um, when something doesn't have enough salt inside. And you can tell right away when something has too much salt inside. And you just have to salt it to just taste. And then that's your body just listening to your body and just saying like, okay, this is what I need. And some people... So it's really easy to supplement. Some people, when they feel like they're always like really dehydrated, it's not really the matter of like continually just drinking more and more water. Because if you don't have that salt level, you're not going to actually retain it. You're just going to flush it all out. Mm-hmm. You actually need some level of salt to retain that water. So another thing too is um, you'll find that you need more uh, salt and electrolytes in the winter when it's uh, drier outside. So that's another thing too. It's not necessarily that you're losing it through sweat, but it could be also just because it's hot or dry or both. <laughs> One of the biggest losses of... Um, hydration is actually through your breath. Yeah. That's like one of the main ways that you're actually losing hydration while you're sleeping in a really dry place Mm -hmm. is you're breathing all that out. Uh, So not only are you like sweating while you're sleeping, but you're also breathing that loss of moisture as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why uh, it, it, it's not necessarily just because you're being active. It could be also just your environment as well. Um, Obviously we're like in AC all the time now. And so that could be another reason why you're really dry. Um, so yeah, like it's really important to make sure that you're supplementing with that regardless of exercise. But you, like you mentioned before, like those like sport concoction drinks, like that's like unnecessary because you could literally just put salt on your food. I've been noticing a lot. You've been drinking a lot more coconut water too as well. I drink coconut water because I think that uh, the only way, so I look at like how, how hydrated I feel after drinking something. And so let's say, for example, after jiu-jitsu, if I were to drink a shitload of water, uh, just plain water, um, I have to drink a lot of fucking water in order for me to be able to feel hydrated. But with coconut water, I could have like 200 mils and I'm like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to drink any more than this. And I think it's a combination of the sugar and the electrolytes um, inside the liquid that actually helps you replenish it, not, not necessarily the actual H2O itself. I think doctors right now they're saying like you should have um you know eight cups of water per day which is an absurd amount and also in the bodybuilding world right now like people are drinking like six liters of water per day um which is an absurd amount like that's that's so much you're forcing yourself to drink and that's another thing that people say is like you should be drinking even when you're not thirsty by the time you're thirsty like it's already too late it's like what like, no, no. And you can generally tell how hydrated you are by the frequency of how often you're going to pee or even just the color of your, your pee as well. Exactly, yeah. Um, so another thing too is if you were to look at uh, what kind of drinks offer the most amount of hydration, like uh, feeling hydrated after drinking it, um, you'll find that water is actually very low. Um, the thing that it has the most hydration is actually Coca-Cola. <laughs> and I think it has something to do with the sugar inside the water. And also, yeah, some salt. I don't think I don't know how much salt it has inside. Does I feel it? Like it does have a little bit of salt. But uh, yeah, if you were to look at like I'm, I'm just gonna um, hydration. I don't know how to even search that. But yeah, you'll. I think it was uh, co- uh, not coconut water. They didn't test that, but it probably the same as Coca Cola. But Coca Cola was huge. Oh, and the other one was orange juice, mm. which has a lot of minerals inside. So orange juice and also has a lot of sugar inside. Right. So that's why I think coconut water uh, hydrates better than than other forms of uh just like liquid when it doesn't have oh and then also another one was milk 
has a lot. So hydrates like I don't know if you you don't drink milk, but I wish it's I weird because you what? I wish I could. Yeah, <laughs> I used to. I used to drink so much milk, but now I can't lactose intolerant. When you're really thirsty and like it's like milk really quenches your thirst. Boy, do I miss that. Do I miss it? <laughs> come home from soccer practice and just down three to four glasses of milk i'm just looking up right now like to see like uh the hydration levels part yeah no the reason why i was kind of interested on your coconut water intake because like coconut water people know it's like hydrating however it has more levels of potassium than salt sometimes yeah and that's true and most people are deficient in potassium right so when we say electrolytes people automatically assume it's only salt but electrolytes is other kind of minerals such as and usually the main two ones are salt and potassium and it's the balance between salt and potassium that's gonna maintain your hydration so we got yeah skim milk full fat milk and we have uh oral rehydration uh solution i don't know what that is it's like those noons yeah maybe i guess so must be and uh then yeah that these are all compared to still water and uh even like cola is better uh, but the best one seems to be like between like orange juice and milk, <laughs> which is crazy. So something with some kind of level of sugar in it. Yeah. It seems or like some kind of like calories in it, I guess. Right. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it, it is hard for your body just to kind of like, doesn't know what to do with water. Um, and I, I do find that like, if I need, I need to get hydrated, I need to drink way more water than if I were to just have like some like liquid. Uh, like, sorry, some uh, liquid with calories inside and minerals. So, yeah. Uh, but then again, also, you have to just be careful not to gain weight with that <laughs> because it could be overdoing it with calories. Yeah, because liquid calories are super easy to consume. And then before you know it, you've consumed three, four hundred, five hundred calories in mm -hmm. one sitting of uh, Coca-Cola. Or... Yeah. And that's another thing, too, that I just want to, like, mention with water. I know it's kind of off topic, but, you know, like, people will say, like, oh, to feel... To feel more full, you have to drink water with your meal. But then um, I'm pretty sure it's harder for your body to digest the actual calories. It's easier for your body to digest food that when it comes in just the food form. Unless you have some, something like really dry, like potato chips, then you're going to have to drink it with water. That's why you get thirsty. But for the most part, you should be drinking. You shouldn't be drinking with your meals. Maybe just a tiny, tiny bit. So being careful not to do overdo water. People overdo water. It's crazy. Well, you, you ever see that one contest where someone, uh, I think it was a radio station uh, podcast, and they were like, oh, whoever drank the most water in like 24 hours and wins a car. And doesn't go to the washroom. Yeah. And doesn't go to the washroom. And then and someone the died, died because they offset the amount of like salt in their blood from drinking too much water and died, which goes to show like with supplements, with anything. There's an upper level of how much you can take. So you should be really careful. Like even water, like water is one of the most essential things to all life. And even if you drink too much of that, you die. Mm -hmm. And uh, so another thing too is uh, like, look at how frequently you go to the washroom. If you're going to the washroom more than once per night, I think that you have an issue with drinking too much water or yeah, or, uh, or with electrolyte imbalance. And then also, if you're going to the washroom often throughout the day, that's an issue too. Because if you think about it, like no human in the past would want to go to the washroom every hour. That's absurd. Yeah, you don't want to lose your hydration. 
Yeah, Especially if you're in true, like a yeah. desolate place, you don't want to just be wasting away your hydration. Yeah. One of the leading causes of death in the world is actually like diarrhea. Because if like people are dying from uh, dysentery, basically, you're losing your water hydration through your bowels. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, there's so much more that we can get into talking about poo, but I think we're already tw 28 minutes in. So <laughs> yeah, so those are, uh, we'll go over like the top four again that we have, we talked about today. So we got vitamin D, creatine monohydrate, magnesium biglycinate, and salt and electrolytes. And you'll find that it has nothing to do with any other like branded, brand, <laughs> Brandon, branded, um, supplements like that people were taking before like uh yeah mo all of these uh supplements are have like generic brands yeah and like extremely cheap so yeah start taking those those are probably safe for you to take even without taking a blood test but uh, our recommendation is always to talk to a naturopath first to make sure that you are um actually needing to take these things and yeah that's uh that's pretty much it for this podcast thanks for tuning in guys and we'll see you in the next one